One, two, testing. All right, beautiful, let's go. Okay. Hello, and welcome back to Multi Stories. I'm Rosa. Hello, I'm Oriana, and today we have Tom producing the show. Hello. Just to give you a reminder of what we're all about, in case this is your first time listening to the show, Multi Stories is a brand new podcast focused on giving a platform to emerging writers, allowing them to hear their work read out aloud by a group of professional actors. After that, we then have a quick chat with our guests about their work, their lives as writers, and anything else that might come up. And as we're celebrating emerging artists, we'd also like to share some new music with you at the end. So we are very excited to introduce you to today's guest, the sensational Rebecca Sweeney. Hi, Rebecca. <laughs> nice to meet you. Hi. Um, Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no worries. And um, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yep. Um, so I'm a playwright previously based in uh, Edinburgh, now in Manchester. Um, I have produced work with my theatre company, 20-something. Um, we've put my plays on um, at the Edinburgh Fringe, the Prague Fringe Festival, um, and in some venues in and around Edinburgh as well. Um, and my plays have been nominated for a couple of Prague Fringe Awards along the way. Amazing. Awesome. Congratulations. Amazing. Thank you very much. <laughs> and can you tell us a little bit more about what we're going to be reading today? Maybe like a little synopsis of your play without giving anything away. So um, this play is called Paper Planes. Um, and this is quite an early draft-ish um, of what it will eventually be. Um, and it's a play about people who work um, at the Fringe in Edinburgh. Um, and I wanted to write a story about fringe life for a long time. Um, I did 10 years for my sins um, at the fringe. <laughs> so it's a place and a world that's always been really, really close to my heart. Um, and it's where, I mean, like my best friend I met on the first day I worked a front of house job at the fringe. So it's, you know, the people from the fringe are like my family sometimes, sometimes. Um, <laughs> and this is the story of of what it's like to work in that kind of environment, what it's like to work in a venue um, outside of that fringe bubble, but still with those fringe people, kind of. Um, and I was kind of, there's something about this last year, not having festivals, not having venues, anything open, that just made me so nostalgic for it and just so desperate to be back in that world, but also just really scared about what's gonna happen and how many like amazing smaller places we're gonna lose that just won't be able to reopen and stuff. So mm. yeah, the play is trying to work through all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, fab. Thank you very much. So Ori, would you like to introduce the actors we have reading for us today? Okay, so today we have Tom Rouvray reading Max, Hannah Churchill reading Claire, Annabelle Dodd reading Ailey, Alex Cosgriff reading Martin. Brilliant. Okay, so Rebecca, could you just give us a tiny bit of context for where we are in the script and then we'll give it a go. Yeah, so we have Claire and Max. Um, Claire works in a small theatre venue um, in Scotland and um, Max used to work there and has come back kind of as a surprise as they're waiting to find out about um, some funding and to see if they will get to keep going and doing what they're doing. Brilliant. Thank you. Okay, let's go. Just don't gush over the rest of it. 
I'm throwing it all in the skip at the end of the day. You don't want to enjoy the waves of nostalgia then? Nostalgia from dusty folders and old jackets? No. But your multicoloured programme shrine is an archive. Yes, an archive. It's not just a box of any old rubbish, it's organised. Half the stuff in those really is rubbish. There's probably old first aid reports in there. Feels like a GDPR nightmare. If I don't see it, I don't need to worry about it. So, just leave them alone. Copy that. I'll try to keep my nostalgia at bay. Oh, shit. What did you do? Nothing. What then? It's nostalgia. There's a whole bucket of it back here. Oh, for God's sake. No, no, seriously. You you won't be able to resist this. Try me. Oh, my God. Told you. How has that survived back there? Nostalgia is clearly a powerful preservative. How long ago? Three years, maybe? Jesus. I still can't believe we... (laughs) Every day. 800 paper planes to pick up. And pack away. Without breaking any. In 15 minutes. 15? What? Mm, My shifts always did it in 10. We got it down to 9 once. Well, that's what happens when everyone's terrified of their manager. They weren't terrified. They were, are, and you like it that way. I... You do. Well, it gets shit done. Sure. We cleared up 800 paper planes from a 500-seat venue in nine minutes. Very impressive. It is. But I'm agreeing with you. So what if people were scared of me? I didn't say there was anything wrong with it. No one would have commented if it was a man. You're probably right. You weren't mean, scary, though, just commanding or something. Intimidating. Oh. I remember being very intimidated by you when we met. Sure you do. Claire, the memory is literally tattooed on my brain. Why? You don't remember. Should I? For someone so concerned with preserving the past, I would have thought you'd remember the key moments in our collective history. If I ever did, I've probably deleted them for more important things. You can't delete a memory. I can try. The first time I met you was the year I started. For some reason, my contract kicked in two weeks into the fringe. Someone, maybe it was Ailey, had to show me around, get my bearings, all that sort of thing. It must have been a weekend because we climbed over like a hundred toddlers in the courtyard outside. The whole place was teeming with buggies. I remember thinking there must have been a Scott Rail campaign or something, like visit Edinburgh. Families travel free, bringing every single child you know and set them loose around the city. It was a mess. We came inside and there were even more bodies. Adults this time, none of them moving. A queue coming out of every door. Queues on queues. Queues that were eating themselves like a fucking Ouroboros. So many people. I was so tempted to turn around to say, cheers very much for the opportunity, but I'd rather not go mad here. I wanted to run back to my old job at my teeny tiny little space above a pub that had one show and one queue and didn't look like the missing circle of hell. But I I didn't. I was gearing myself up to get stuck in and help when suddenly this wave of angry fringe attendees just turned and started pouring out of the hall. A show had just been cancelled and folk were shouting and barging past each other and and trying to find someone to yell at and you were... 
you were standing there letting them scream at you. So clearly biting back, telling them to shove their complaints up their asses, but you didn't. I really don't see how this is any different from every other day at work in this place. Well, then I got pushed a bit by a particularly raging Glaswegian who was going on about this is why he never comes to Edinburgh because they couldn't organise a piss up in a brewery. And he swings into me and I fall backwards over a folded up buggy that's been knocked off the wall. And, and then someone kicked me in the head, knocked me out. Really? You had to do first aid. Oh. And what did you say? I've got no time to patch up some idiot who can't look after himself. Did I? Tattooed in my memory, Claire, trust me. I mean, I was so scared. I, I tried to stand up and get out of your way and, and then I fell over again. Bowled over by your disdain. Head rush. I don't remember that. I'm glad I made such an impression. Can I have the plane? Seriously? I'll need something to remember this place by. It's not going anywhere. Sure. Can I have it? Hold on. There. Nine minutes. <laughs> Pretty fucking impressive. Tell them we're waiting to hear about the funding and they'll know as soon as I know. I can't make decisions if I don't know if the lights will be on tomorrow. Yeah, I'm in the office. When I know, you'll know. Max! Martin! Still no news? It'll be lunchtime, I think. Not too long, then. Who are you on with? The lawyers. They're trying to keep the sponsors happy. Sponsors? Yeah. Wait, I I'm confused. I, I thought it was government funding we were waiting for. <laughs> we? Uh, you. <laughs> that you're waiting for. We are. So... The sponsors are the backup. It's some investment firm. What are they called again? Andrew's Investment. A backup? For when the funding doesn't come through. If. What? You said when. Right. Yeah. If. I didn't realise that... Yeah, well, we had to make some tough choices, you know. It's not as bad for you down in London, is it? You must have people battering down the door to give you donations. Not quite. Of course not, mate. Anyway, nice to see you. Always nice to have a dessert to come back to look at the ruins. I'm not a... Joking. Honestly, you're as bad as Claire and she never cracks a smile these days. Not much to smile about. Have you cleared up in here then? A bit. Good idea. What's going? The boxes by Max. Was that all? The rest could be useful. For what? I... So much shit. But not all shit. We don't need all we... those. Of course you do, mate. It's an archive, you know, a, a time capsule. You, you could practically carbon date this stuff. Uh, and this is a walkway back in time. I think I start about here. And which one of you is fucking off again? Martin. I'm surprised you're still around. What? I thought you'd have skipped town long ago. Why? I never thought you got all this, you know? What is there to get? It's a building. We put on shows, we lose money, we beg for more. It's all pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> That's hardly... Where's Aileen? She's picking up coffee. Good. I'm going for a smoke. Can you just play nice? With him? Max, please. You heard him, right? I don't know how you can stand it. To hear him talk about this place like it's just brick and mortar and, and losing money. How can he stand there and say that? That's all he sees. 
can't believe he got your job. It wasn't. It was. You should be in charge. I'm perfectly happy doing what I do. Are you? I pick the shows and I run the shows. That's what I'm good at. Yeah, but just think how different everything would be if... Max! Sorry. Did he say Ailey was coming? She'll be here. I hear my name. Soon. Did the fun start without me? What fun? Ah, the Wanderer returns. Oh, come on. I'd almost forgotten what you look like. Fuck off. What's all this? It's supplies, but we'd need it. Jesus, Ailey. How much did you buy? It's a stressful day. But... It's all come out of my budget. Don't wait yourself. Oh my god, do you guys remember the get out after Panto that year when we skived off for the afternoon and ate all the leftover selection box chocolate? Yes. No. Of course you don't. I don't remember everything like you do. Everything? I have a weird encyclopedic knowledge of this place. I retain everything. Everything. Everyone who ever worked here, she knows their names, their new jobs, their new lives, how far from this place they are now. Everything. Really? Pick a year when all three of us were here and I'll tell you something that happened. 2015. Ooh, an excellent vintage. A great year. At the Halloween party in 2015, you dressed up as a serial killer. You had boxes of Cocoa Pops with plastic knives shoved through them attached to your t-shirt. Wow. It's unhealthy. It's impressive. That was a terrible costume. It was. Stuff just sticks in my mind as soon as I hear it, you know? Like... Did you hear about Lauren and Steve? They worked at the Fringe in 2014, and they were both training to be lawyers or maybe accountants, whatever it was. It was very unfringe. They looked like an old married couple already, and they must have been only 20. Did they not get together at one of those weird cocktail nights we had? I think it was when we tried to turn the basement into a tiki bar. Very, very poor decision. Someone fell into the generator, didn't they? Someone poured Malibu on the generator. Right. What about them? They had a baby. But they're still babies. They're probably like 26 now. Yes, children. Is it still a fringe baby if it isn't born till like five years after they worked it? There should be some kind of couples group for all the pairs that made it past fringe. Made it. I mean... You mean the ones who could put up with each other when their bodies were no longer four parts alcohol and one part desperation? What I meant to say was... You know what you meant. Just think about all the stories they'll have to tell their grandkids from humble beginnings in the basement of Edinburgh. It's surprising to know anything good can come from there. Lots of good things come from there. Name one. Lifelong friendships. Funny. Listen to that, Claire. He does love us. I mean it. Lifelong. Everyone just passes through here. No one is that close when they leave. Yes, we are. I, I mean, we... In the, like, the general. I get it. I still like you, Claire. And that's surprising in itself. But we didn't leave. We're still here. I suppose. You would have dropped me like a hot potato the second you escaped. And never looked back. It's to be expected, I suppose, with the way these jobs are, the way these people are. Ephemeral, almost. Don't trip over that when you say it. It is ephemeral, temporary, all of it. Even the people. Yeah. Yeah.
well, there's no way to sustain it. Not really. I mean, living in other people's pockets like that, being around the same group so much, it, it's almost unhealthy. Almost. It's incredibly unhealthy, especially Fringe. Fringe and Christmas. It's like captivity every year. I think it would drive me completely and utterly mad seeing the same people over and over again. And then when I go to bed and dreaming, I was still at work, so I'd be stuck with them then too. It was a nightmare. A waking, breathing, invasive fucking nightmare. And yet, here you are. I have coping mechanisms now. I think I like the closeness. Sometimes, I mean, I mean, sure, it was intense and, and roaching, but there's, there's something amazing about it too. I, I always liked how fast I, I'd learn almost everything about someone. I think I knew more about some people after four hours pulling pints than I know about some of my oldest friends. That's nice. I like that. Thanks. Where's Misery Guts then? Having a smoke. I didn't see him downstairs. He must be at the back. What's his problem? How long have you got? You are both saints for putting up with him. Don't have much of a choice. He just doesn't get it. I spotted that. He doesn't love it the same way that we do. We love it. We do. You can pretend not to, but we do. I'll take this out to him before it gets cold. Help yourselves, they're all the same. Thanks, Ailey. Lovely. Thanks, Lovely. I was really, wow, I was really giggling there. That is a gorgeous piece of work, Rebecca. I love it. It's so, so like evocative and emotive, but really just natural, really beautiful work. I really love it. And how did you find it, you know, listening to them reading it out loud? Was that, did it come out how exactly how you thought it was going to or did anything new come up? I always, I love hearing stuff. After I've written it, one of the first things I want to do is hear people say it because I just think you get so much more out of it that way because there's things that you don't even realise in the way you've written it until people start mm. speaking it. So it's just fab. I love hearing people read it, read things that I've done. Sounds a bit egotistical, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I always really enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> so this is partly based on your experiences of working in fringe theatre and are the anecdotes and the characters, are they all things or people that you've known in real life or is it how much are you elaborating the anecdotes are um quite terrifyingly accurate um the <laughs> um the paper planes themselves is um that's taken from when when was it 2016 um i worked at assembly for many many years um and we had a show one year where we had to put a drum on every seat and um assembly hall in edinburgh is an 840 seater venue um, and we had, and I'm not talking like a little, like these were, I mean, I'm gesturing, it's a podcast, that's so helpful. <laughs> Very large um, drums. It's like, like, like a foot high, like these things yeah. were, these were things were massive. Um, and we had, because obviously it's fringe, you have half an hour turnaround to get audiences in and out, which is hard enough at the best of times. So we had to get people out and the drums in and then more people in, um, in half an hour. And the show that was on before was a really like hard hitting drama that people found really really upsetting and moving so we're kind of like moving people out of corridors who are literally having breakdowns whilst holding four drums in each hand like thanks for coming please move <laughs> so we can get them in and we did do it in nine minutes once we had um we 
used to have to have every person who was working that day had to do a crossover of an hour to get this done. And it was, yeah, it was yeah. horrendous. Very impressive. But it, was, it was brilliant. And now it makes a great story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've kind of just touched on this, but um, all the all the characters that you've created have such a rich, as you say in, in the script, collective history. Is that something that you consciously uh, craft and think about or does that just kind of come up as as your as your writing with this piece in particular it was kind of just as I wrote because they're sort of they're just indicative of the kind of people that I know and met when I was working at the fringe so their relationships and how they know each other and how much they know of each other is just kind of all based on that and let's say how weird it is that you can know everything about somebody having worked with them for a day because it's just so intense. Um, so for this piece, it kind of just came out as I was writing it because I knew, I just knew what the backstories were because I know mm. these people, yeah. I, I love that bit just now um, at the end of that extract. Well, it felt like this for me when when Max was talking to Claire, like describing the fringe, I really felt like, yeah, he was he was talking about Claire rather than the fringe, did it, yeah. is that, yeah. Nice, enjoyed that. It was very funny. Yeah, some very beautiful poetic crafting of things there. Very nice. <laughs> and do you have a particular favourite moment, do you think, in the script? I usually struggle to finish plays. I find it quite hard to come up with the ending for things. And I think the ending for this one came quite easily, which was quite nice. Um, it's not helpful because we didn't read it. but um, uh, yeah. Yes, but now they will. <laughs> <laughs> um, now you got to buy the play to buy the ending. <laughs> Yeah, it was nice to, I think, having a, like a deadline and knowing that something's going to happen, it's going to change, you know, it's going to be certain at the end. Yeah. Um, so it was nice to have that kind of conclusion, but also just to, yeah, a bit of catharsis for the characters who haven't seen each other for a while and don't really know how to deal with each other outside of Fringe um, or yeah. when they're not working together. Absolutely. And how much of this was influenced by everything that's happening at the moment um, with obviously lockdown and a lot of creatives not being able to work? Did did you have the idea for the play before this or has that kind of come out of the difficult times we're in at the moment? I had extracts of it before. A lot of the Max and Claire stuff has kind of been kicking around in one form or another for ages. Um, but the the rest of it and the kind of over overarching theme of them waiting to find out if they have funding, waiting to see if they're going to survive, that's all, that's kind of all come out in the past year. Just sort of, yeah, there's just something so sad about the idea that some of these venues might be lost um, particularly ones that are focused on doing like really interesting cool small stuff who aren't gonna the kind of the whole fear of them being like a, a corporate sponsor being brought into somewhere because you know you, you know you know the French the places that have the big corporate sponsorships quite rarely get to do the really cool interesting new stuff because they mm. have to program the same five comics that have been doing the French for 20 years and yeah, it's a bit, there's a few, yeah. I've got a, I've got a special place in my heart for Summer Hall because I worked there for a couple of years as well. And that's kind of, mm -hmm. it's that vibe. It's like, I still want dissection rooms to be doing theatre when we come back at the end of this. You know, I want to be sitting in an anatomy room watching something with a hook hanging from the ceiling that you can't move <laughs> the buildings listed. Yeah. Like, that's, that whole thing, you just really, oh, just be so sad if we ended up not having that at the end of all this. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. What what kind of space did you imagine this this to be? In? This the the image I have in my head is literally the the office at um one of the assembly venues that I worked at for years, um, Assembly Roxy, which is like 
in the attic of because Roxy's an old church so this is it's in the grooves there, there are pigeons that coo at you while you're working um, and you have to crawl under the stage to get to various bits of um, set and things that are kind of stuffed back there and it's just like walking and fall over five years worth of programs because no one can bring themselves to throw them out so it's very much that's the image I have in my head but yeah I'm not really sure how you would do that on the stage without just filling it with all the shit from an office but sounds great and so as a writer then do you find that you often kind of start with maybe an idea of a couple characters and then you wait for the catalyst in your mind of this is what it's going to be about that's kind of how it's been for the past couple of things I've done and the orchid which is the last show that I did that did anything um it's been a while um that was again there was feel the struggle Um, again that was the scene it was a couple one of them gives the other one an orchid instead of saying I love you because they can't bring themselves to say I love you so they do it through a flower and that then became a play that went on for many years that Tom was in um, so yeah the, it's quite often it's a little snippet of something that then goes into something else I find it very hard to structure things I don't often like I said I don't often know how things are going to end so more often than not it's a little bit and then I build around it how did you get into writing in the first place always written stuff in general like um from a very little age um I did drama I did you know drama classes when I was a teenager and things like that and then um I did a master's in theatre studies at Dundee um and when I was there I did like just a fab playwriting class as part of my course that all three of the plays that I then ended up doing with my company, the first scenes of those were written in that class. So yeah, it's it was an odd, oddly um, inspirational <laughs> time to be sitting in a wee uh, university room in Dundee. But um, yeah, just kind of have always done it. And then was really lucky that when I did my master's, I met people who wanted to do shows and who wanted to actually put them on because it's, you know, it's really hard to make, you know, you need to be aggressively lucky to get, commissioned to do something or to be given any money to do something so nine times out of ten you just need willing participants and I was really lucky that I met people who were willing to do things for free. (laughs) We said this actually in another episode that as a as a group of actors if you can find a play you know whether it's in the public domain or whatever then you're actually fine because you have everyone but as a writer it can be a lot harder because you have all the ideas but you don't have the means to necessarily get them out there. Exactly. Yeah, you need people who who want to do it and who are, you know, happy to try something new. You know, so yeah, I was very very lucky for a while that I had that um, in Edinburgh. So yeah. I was just gonna say, do you have any plans for what you want to do with Paper Planes now? Finish it. Um... <laughs> That's a good start. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I say, yeah, it's still it's still a draft. Um, I, I've not I've not really worked out what I want it to be um so just keep writing it and then it would be lovely to be able to put it on um I'd love to be able to do it um Prague Fringe where I've taken like everything I've done um is I work for them too I work on many fringes all the time um and (laughs) it would be it would be brilliant to be able to take something back there again but um who knows when they'll be back um, they should be happening in May. It's obviously Fingers not happening. So, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to take a show back there again because they have the best venues ever at Prague. It's cellars and basements and places that flood. Really? Wow. And very cheap beer, we were told by Tom. So, <laughs> sounds good. 
Ah. Love your mug, by the way. Um, <laughs> is there? Is there? I actually have a, a the same patterned mug. Um, but anyway, yeah. Stra- strawberry theme. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I sound like such. A- anyway, I recognise that pattern. Um, yes, I wondered. Uh, is there anything else that you're working on at the moment? Then speaking of new new things. No, not anymore. Um, nothing else in the theatre kind of world. Um, my, my day job's an accountant, so which is very dull. So I don't get to do this all the time. That's why the characters in this who were very boring and had a very unfringe job were accountants because <laughs> that's where I've ended up. Um, so yeah, it's kind of I just get to do it when I when I've got the time. So yeah, there's only really less at the minute, and then just writing other random stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like then that you draw a lot on the things that you're doing, the things that are around you. Do you feel like that's normally where your work comes from, or sometimes is it just completely out the blue? It's a bit of both, yeah. The first the first play I did was 20-something. The first full-length thing I wrote was um, a retelling of Medea. So that, not really true to my life. Um, haven't killed any children recently. Um, so yeah. from, <laughs> that, that, one, was, um, nice. that yeah. one was a bit out there. But yeah, um, with this and with the Orchid, it is a lot of just, yeah, it, it, the more natural side of things comes from my life. And yeah, yeah. yeah. I quite often seem to write characters who work in the arts maybe because I'm jealous that I'm not doing that anymore <laughs> so no. just gonna write it and plead it back into existence yeah exactly you want to manifest it yeah <laughs> awesome does anyone have anything else they would like to ask before we wrap things up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually if, if you could just write a couple more characters yeah, could you fit us in if there? we could Thanks. all yeah. <laughs> we could all be in it and uh, you know we'll work on our accents on our Scottish accents yeah. it'd be a very different BRP version <laughs> I, <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I did like when Tom asked if it needed to be accents like it's fringe guys no one's Scottish like, oh, there's four of us that's there funny. Scottish and everybody else is <laughs> good point good point well thank you so much Rebecca um thanks for letting us share your work and uh if the listeners if you've enjoyed what you've heard then please do check her out 20 something um is ts underscore theater and that's where all the theater stuff is and that's on twitter and ts underscore theater great that's great thank you awesome I think there's probably some awful photos of Tom from that. Amazing. Great. Send everyone that way. That's definitely worth looking at. (laughs) Yes, please. Well, uh, everybody listening, feel free to give our social media channels a follow if you want to keep up to date with more multi-story productions. We are Multi-Story Prod on Twitter and Instagram. And if you would like to hear your writing or music on the show, then please drop us an email at submissions at multistoryproductions.co.uk. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks to our lovely actors. Thanks to all the many listeners I know we have. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye now. Yeah. Yay, that's a wrap. And our new music today is a gorgeous track from the artist Crawford Mack. Spelt M-A-C-K. The song is called Hope Street. And you can find Crawford on Twitter and Instagram at CrawfordMac underscore. And of course, Spotify. Hope you enjoy. This day will mean something 
No matter what it takes, no matter what it takes, no matter what I take. When I'm back, I'll be something. No matter what I make, no matter what the breaks, no matter what I fake. I wish I could find something. Then you'd get to see why I had to leave where I wanna be. Grasping at something I saw in a dream. Don't know where I'll be when I find relief. But I know I'm home when I. Makes me laugh just 'cause it's so affable. Maybe I'll soon find This night we'll have answers. Asking all around, feet are on the ground, clouds up in my head. This night I'll take chances. I won't know what they are till I stop to think what I should have said. I wanna see. I.